we went there, I went there last week, and this was fresh off the Bessemer union busting, which Amazon was very successful in illegal activities, which the union that was behind Bessemer is already suing, uh, is already filing, already filed with the Labor Relations Board uh, to basically have a revote. So fresh off of that, workers in New York are unionizing at the Staten Island warehouse. Uh, the Staten Island warehouse has been gotten media attention because that's where Christian Smalls, who was the original uh, Amazon whistleblower who got fired by Amazon in the beginning of the pandemic last year, um, because he got fired at that warehouse for the crime of trying to organize workers to ask Amazon to create safe conditions during a deadly pandemic. Now, move forward a year later, we, uh, we went out, I went out there last week uh, because they have a pretty aggressive union drive going on there. New York, pretty, dif pretty different than Alabama. 22% of New York workers are unionized. Now, for, for America's standards, that's one of the top unionization rates in the country. Um, you know, in the 60s or 70s, that would be low. But right now, 22% of a state's workers unionized is pretty significant. So... These workers are outside the Amazon warehouse. They are uh, have a tent, and they are right near a busy bus stop, which drops off Amazon workers who are coming in for their shifts, and workers leaving hop on the bus. So it was a great place for them to be to talk to uh, workers, to try and get them to sign union cards, to try and dispel the myths that Amazon has been pushing about unionization. And for their trouble, as soon as the, they had a barbecue that was very successful in the beginning of May, uh, they got hundreds of people, hundreds of workers to show up. And what happened? Amazon literally built a fence. I shit you not. Amazon built a fence uh, surrounding where the tent was to try and basically force the organizers to move back further away from the bus. The fence had, I'm not kidding, beware of dog signs. I don't know if the union organizers are the dogs um, or uh, and they also had private property signs, even though it was on a public sidewalk. Now, that was outside. As we showed you on our Substack last week, the signs inside. I mean, propaganda is like a nice way of saying it. I mean, if you if you go to our Substack, that's statuscoup.substack.com. You'll see the piece we did last week, which showed you all the signs that Amazon has put up throughout the warehouse. Essentially, it's almost like the Fox News playbook. Um, you know, the immigrants are going to come to your home, you know, um, you know, all these crazy signs, uh, you know, uh, know your know the facts. Don't be misled. Um, just ridiculous signs. So. We wrote about that. No, before you sign, as you could see here. And a lot of it's just completely not factual um, at all. So we wrote about it on our Substack, which we just started. So please, please sign up. I was told today, I, uh, I was reached out by an Amazon worker. They must be reading your articles because they mm. took down, they took down a lot of the signs. So I'm going to read from the story, Colin, uh, that we wrote today. We were there. I was there last Wednesday. I think I wrote a piece Thursday or Friday. So relatively quickly, for some reason, Amazon started taking down the signs. Um, here's the headline. After status quo exposed them, Amazon take, takes down union busting signs in New York warehouse. 
After Status Quo's report last week exposing Amazon's all-out bombardment of anti-union signs throughout its Staten Island JFK 8 warehouse, Status Quo has learned Amazon has taken down a significant amount of the union-busting signs near workstations, break rooms, on televisions, and near the receiving deck. Quote, I think they read your article, a warehouse worker uh, told us. Uh, in one example, a TV that was displaying anti-union messaging was blank with the caption deleted. So I don't know what message was up on there, but we had we had shown you a lot of the messages on those TVs were anti-union messages, um, you know, talking about how don't be misled, know your facts, almost like beware of the yellow, beware of the vests, because <laughs> uh, the union organizers are wearing a yellow vest outside. So that's just one example deleted um, on the TV screen. Let me read a little bit more. Uh, from the Substack piece. Again, sign up to our Substack. Quote, the only flyers left are still in the bathrooms. Yes, they have flyers in the bathrooms. Um, <laughs> I don't see any flyers on the tables either, the worker added. The worker added that the remaining signs still up are, quote, repeating the less aggressive verbiage that we saw one month ago. I guess they're toning it down. So not only did they take down a lot of the signs, but the signs that are up seem to be less aggressive, not warning about people coming to your homes uh, and all this stuff. An Amazon source told Status Quo some of the signs Amazon took down were messages, and this is, uh, this is how you know this wasn't edited by Jen because she was busy because I already misspelled something. Uh, an Amazon source told Status Quo some of the signs Amazon took down were messages aimed at planting seeds of doubt in workers about the Congress of Essential Workers, a group started by Amazon whistleblower Christian Smalls, who was fired by Amazon at the beginning of the COVID pandemic for organizing workers against the company's unsafe working conditions. The, take, the taken down anti-TCOEW signs had claimed that the group had a lack of financial accountability it also aimed to group the current Staten Island workers attempting to unionize who formed a group called Amazon Labor Union with the Congress of Essential Workers, which is made up of workers fired from Amazon. They're not connected, but Amazon wants to link the current workers with Christian Small's group. Christian Small said, I guess they figured it wasn't gaining any tractions, he told us, about the signs bashing his group uh, being taken down. Uh, on on the on the allegations of you know financial shenanigans of, of Smalls groups, he had previously said we used all donations to organize organize them all year. They seem to have forgot that. Uh, as Amazon took down a significant amount of its union busting signage, workers also received a text message and email today, highlighting what the company presented as its strong benefits package workers receive on day one. Absent from this is paid sick leave if you didn't notice that, Jen. Um, or, and I have a story coming out that will show you uh, their claims about paying disability, not so accurate, not so accurate. Uh, as we previously reported, Amazon, fresh off its allegedly illegal union busting campaign in Alabama, has aggressively targeted organizing efforts by current and former Staten Island workers stationed daily outside the warehouse near a busy bus stop that traffics Amazon workers coming and going from work. After a May 4th barbecue in which AOU union organizers were able to attract hundreds of workers, Amazon put up a chain link fence with beware of dog and private property signs across it around the bus stop and tent where union organizers are stationed daily, attempting to talk to workers and get them to sign union cards. 
The fence forced the ALU organizers to move further away from the high traffic bus stop. Still, ALU organizers say they've gotten hundreds of workers to sign union cards. Inside the warehouse, Amazon had also put up a barrage of anti-union signs near workstations, in break rooms, bathrooms, and TVs around the warehouse. Quote, we have been bombarded with misinformation and lies for the, pa- for the past month in the bathroom, break rooms, at the entrance. Uh, Amazon's JFK Staten Island worker, Natalie uh, Monarez, told us uh, last week. And there you could see some of the signs that have been up. Know before you sign. Make sure you know the facts before you decide whether or not to sign a union card. Don't be fooled by the vest. Oh, boy, that sounds kind of nefarious. Union representatives are approaching associates wearing Amazon vests to mislead you into thinking they represent or speak for Amazon. Don't be fooled by this. Okay. Another don't be misled sign. Get the facts about ALU. Know the facts. I mean, all day, if you have to be bombarded by this. Uh, remember, a lot of these workers are, frankly, teenagers. Uh, well, not teenagers, but like late teens, early, um, early um, 20s, mid-20s. So I don't want to call them. I'm, I'm not saying that they're not smart, but it's easy with this level of propaganda uh, to kind of buy into it and say, oh, you know, I'm not going to mess with those union organizers out there. I don't want to be getting in trouble. And this is what well, they yeah, do. It's less life experience. Right, right. So... Basically, Jen, you know, listen, have we taken down Amazon? No, but I'll take good news any day of the week. Uh, As far as I know, we're the only ones that reported all those signs that were in the Amazon warehouse uh, that were out there talking to the workers uh, last week. I don't think they just took down took down the large majority of them out of kindness. It seems like I know Amazon follows my Twitter based on the story I broke a couple uh, months ago about Pashan Brown who is the 38-year-old Amazon worker who suddenly dropped dead after Amazon had her literally playing doctor administering COVID nasal swabs to her coworkers for months, even though she had no medical training and she had no business, neither did Amazon workers, testing other workers. They should have hired nurses and doctors. I don't think Amazon's poor. So they definitely follow uh, my Twitter. They might be following our Substack now. So I'm happy that... You know, at, at the very least, at least they took down some of the signs. That by no means means they're done with their union busting campaign. I have another story that will be out this week about consultants they've been using. And you will not, uh, to go into the warehouse, pull workers aside, and you will not believe the things that they are saying to uh, Amazon workers about the workers trying to unionize, including racial, racist statements. So step in the right direction, but let's not kid ourselves that Amazon is done trying to bash this union. Yeah, I'm certain they're not done by any means. It's probably the case that they're re-strategizing. I mean, the fact that they're willing to put a you know, beware of dogs sign out there is, uh, you know, comic book level evil ridiculous. <laughs> it's absurd. And they will stop at nothing. Uh, you know, to think that they're just going to go away is obviously not a thing that we think. But we're not going to stop. And Jordan's been doing great work on this and, you know, developing good relationships with these folks who are on the ground fighting this every single day, fighting against the propaganda, fighting against the insanity. You guys remember what's been happening or what happened at Bessemer. 
the the stuff that has come out about that they amazon literally had illegal um usps boxes for these votes that were allegedly tampered with you know according to testimony from a worker that you know who saw amazon folks or security guards tampering um off off hours with votes and then votes came in in bulk at certain points so there are a lot of signs pointing in Bessemer to some shenanigans going on to put it mildly so we'll see what happens in Bessemer the Democrats uh, apparently third way uh, and other right-wing Wall Street funded groups that pretend to be centrist and the media pretend are centrist uh, I guess they did a, an autopsy even though Biden won they did an autopsy of the 2020 election. And uh, shocker, uh, it's raising alarm bells. Raising alarm bells. This is from the New York Times. Colin, if you could bring that up. Uh, the headline Democrat report raises 2022 alarms on messaging and voter outreach. Oh, if only messaging and voter outreach were the core problem. Uh, Democrats defeated President Trump and captured the Senate last year with a racially diverse coalition that delivered victories by tiny margins in key states like Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin. In the next election, they cannot count on repeating that feat. A new report warns a review of the 2020 election conducted by several prominent Democratic advocacy groups has concluded that the party is at risk of losing ground with Black, Hispanic, and Asian, Amer Asian American voters unless it does a better job presenting an economic agenda and countering Republican efforts to spread misinformation and tie all Democratic candidates to the far left, the far left. The 73-page report was assembled at the behest of three major Democratic interest groups, Third Way, a centrist think tank. It's not a centrist think tank. It's a Wall Street-funded propaganda farm. Uh, and the Collective PAC and the Latino Victory Fund, which promotes Black and Hispanic candidates. Um, I'm going to go further down. In part, the study found Democrats fell short of their aspirations because many House and Senate candidates failed to match Joseph Biden's support with voters of color who loathed Mr. Trump, but distrusted the Democratic Party as a whole. So I want to zero in on that part, Jen. So the New York Times or the report thinks that the problem was one of the problems was House and Senate candidates couldn't match Biden's support with voters of color who loathe Mr. Trump. But that's a fundamental misunderstanding of what happened because I, they weren't supporting Joe Biden. Like they voted for him, but they weren't supporting Joe Biden because of some grand economic vision or because they believed in specific policies. They would have voted for a, a paper bag to get rid of Trump. I mean, that was the whole game. So this report seems to think that the Senate and congressional candidates just failed to match the support for Biden, when in reality, Biden's support was a mirage in the first place. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, Biden's support is, is manufactured. He is, as we all know and remember, not doing so well before everybody in the primary dropped out and coalesced around him and, and Bernie Sanders was essentially forced to drop out and uh, we we all recall you know 
the, the devastating, <laughs> devastating for for Bernie Sanders supporters at least. Um, and and here we are uh, with Kamala Harris as VP and Joe Biden as as president. Neither of which were widely wanted in the Democratic primary, and yet they're the they're the leaders of our country. And so, yes, I, I agree with your assessment to compare support to the the support of Joe Biden um, among you know people of color is just a false kind of false start. Right. Uh, a core argument about the economy and recovering from the coronavirus pandemic, one that might have helped candidates repel Republican claims that they wanted to, quote, keep the economy shut down. The party, quote, leaned too heavily on anti-Trump rhetoric, quote, win or lose, self-described progressives, progressive or moderate, Democrats consistently raised a lack of strong Democratic Party brand as a significant concern in 2020, the report states. In the absence of strong party branding, the opposition latched onto GOP talking points, suggesting our candidates would burn down your house and take away the police. So this is obviously a bunch of nonsense. First of all, first of all, and they did this in 2016, that it was really about the messaging. It was really about the messaging, the lack of economic messaging. Well, you can't have strong economic messaging if you're not offering strong economic policies. People are no longer stupid. People read in the internet, social media, look into candidates um, more, more thoroughly. So Biden didn't have any economic, didn't have an economic message. His economic message was uh, restore the soul of the nation and all this, this. On the economy, he was against Medicare for all, which would help the economy. He said he was for a $15 minimum wage, but we've seen how that turns out um, on, you know, didn't say much on, you know, raising wages, didn't say much on nothing on a universal basic income, uh, guaranteed jobs, uh, nothing really economic. So sure, you were going to get your voters that only cared about Trump uh, and wanted to get rid of Trump, but you weren't going to get uh, voters that actually needed to hear more on the economy. And because on the state and local level, the Democratic Party wasn't proposing anything economic, nothing populist, that's for sure. Uh, well, on the state and local level, Democrats lost in the House a lot of seats that they didn't expect to lose. Uh, they lost in the Senate uh, a lot of seats. They, they narrowly uh, took back control of the Senate, but they lost a lot of seats. So it's not a... <laughs> It's not rocket science. If you were for policies that are popular among um, among progressives, uh, among uh, the entire spectrum, progressives, um, even centrists, a lot of Republicans are supporting raising the minimum wage, Medicare for all, Green New Deal, you would have crushed Donald Trump and more Democrats would have won on the state and local level. So that's the reality of what's going on here. Um, that's the reality uh, of what's going on here. Uh, I hope, does Jen hear me now or no? I can hear you now. Okay, so that's the reality of what's going on. It's not that they have no message, it's that they have no policies that they could send messages about. And even now, even now, what is their economic message? We temporarily uh, gave you some temporary relief. They're not halting evictions. 
They're not uh, doing anything to actually structurally increase wages. Wages. The wages now are basically the short-term wage going up is because they've had people have had unemployment benefits, so they don't have to go back to shitty jobs right away. As soon as you see those unemployment benefits go away, we'll back. We'll be back to crap wages. So uh, it's kind of a not too difficult. It's not too difficult to figure out what's going on. Uh, but again. This is what this is what the Democratic Party thinks. It's that they have no message rather than they should change their policies. You know, to me, to me, on one end for the Democratic Party, it's a good thing. Uh, I I mean, I don't particularly care if they win in the midterms. We see what they're doing now. But at least they're recognizing. uh, No, no. The Biden win is kind of a sugar high. There's problems underneath the hood. But the problem is they don't seem to be doing anything to actually create an economically popular brand. They're not doing anything like um, he's abandoned the public option. He's abandoned the $15 minimum wage. Uh, His infrastructure bill seems dead on arrival. And the infrastructure bill, honestly, is not, to me, the highest priority in in, uh, Americans' minds. Um, he's doing nothing on the Green New Deal, as we're going to show you soon. Uh, they are not doing anything on uh, these pipelines uh, that are destroying the climate and Native American res- uh, reservations. Uh, he's not really doing anything economically. They're just doing the same that they've done, which is unemployment, um, stimulus checks, which are all temporary, and it's ending soon. So there's nothing structural that Biden is offering. Um, and as, and on the on the Democratic House level, they're really pushing voting rights bills, which are good. But people, you know, I can't stand James Carville, but once upon a time, he was right about something. It's the economy, stupid. People, in large part, vote with their wallets. And the Democratic Party hasn't offered anything, basically, I don't know, since the 1960s. Uh, so, yeah, I think that this autopsy is good. But from what I see, I don't see... They might recognize the problem, but I don't actually see them doing anything to change it. Uh, The messaging so far ahead of the midterms in fundraising emails and all this has been how uh, heinous Marjorie Taylor Greene is. True. How uh, Donald Trump is still a threat. Uh, How Republicans are, you know, threatening democracy, even though we don't have a democracy. I'm not seeing any economic message for the Democrats. And, you know, they deserve what they get, which will probably be a wipeout in 2022 there's like tinges or um a little a little a little bit of a um deja vu from standing rock is going on right now in minnesota uh if you don't know the line three pipeline which is an enbridge pipeline enbridge the company that is responsible for the biggest oil spill in american history which happened in michigan uh enbridge has been uh trying to do a replacement Uh, pipeline called Line 3 um, because the existing pipeline is pretty damn old. So they are building a new pipeline. Uh, It starts in Canada and it it, uh, distributes the the most dirty oil in the world from the tar sands of Canada and it goes through um, Minnesota and other states to get to um, Wisconsin. And contrary to the corporate talking points and big oil talking points, it actually is for external uh, exporting oil. It's not for American domestic use. So 
as they did in Standing Rock, it is going through Native American reservations, threatening their water, their wildlife, sacred burial sites, among other things. So Honor the Earth and other uh, indigenous groups have rallied people to Minnesota for something called the Treaty Gathering, uh, which they are uh, actively protesting uh, as the pipeline is being built. Right now, there's hundreds of people out there. I would have been out there, but I had two doctor's appointments this week that I, one of them I've waited for a month to get. So it was kind of like, got to put my health first. So that doctor's appointment is tomorrow uh, for my stomach, TMI. Uh, but uh, we wanted to cover it. As they are protesting out there, wait till you see these videos. They are out there, indigenous uh, people, fighting to stop this pipeline going through their reservation, their land, as per American treaties that have been discarded. Uh, Non-indigenous uh, pro uh, water protectors are there too. Colin, let's show them uh, the first clips of helicopters, Department of Homeland Security and Border Control helicopters literally flying at extremely low levels to try and clear away uh, the water protectors. So you literally have Department of Homeland Security, uh, border control, flying crazy low over indigenous protesters who I believe have a First Amendment right to protest, uh, who are protesting against the pipeline like Standing Rock, going through their reservation, their water, their wildlife, their sacred burial grounds. And I don't know. Department of Homeland Security, Border Control. Trump's not president anymore. Obviously, they're doing this out in the open. Uh, Biden shut down the Keystone XL pipeline and the resistance cheered, cheered. But he hasn't shut down, shut down the Democratic Party, excuse me, Democratic Party, hasn't shut down, um, has not shut down the Democratic, uh, I keep saying that, has not shut down the um, Dakota Access Pipeline. He has not shut down um, Line 3 Pipeline. And now the Department of Homeland Security, which I believe, which I believe is through the Biden, the Border Control, is literally essentially trying to threaten indigenous water protectors to not protest and to not slow down uh, construction. Colin, I wanted to show uh, the other clips I sent you. So uh, we showed you the helicopter. Now let's show you uh, some of the other clips uh, of how big, how many people are there protesting. Uh, Ford Fisher, who's on the ground there uh, with news to share uh, from his Twitter live stream. And look at how many people are gathered there right now. It's really unbelievable. Kind of reminds me of Standing Rack back in 2016. Honestly, like the media didn't cover 
President Obama allowing this crap to happen at Standing Rock. They're not going to cover this. But you have Biden who, you know, oh, they had a working working task force with Bernie and Bernie, members of Bernie's campaign and Sunrise Movement, who I like Sunrise Movement, the climate activist, said, oh, you know, his climate plan is the biggest, uh, is the most, uh, the boldest plan we've had, even though it's totally insufficient. Uh, but now, same old, same old, uh, after stealing Native American land, now they're putting a pipeline through it and uh, basically... Biden's goons uh, are basically attacking Native Americans once again. Yeah, and you're completely right. Obviously, you you were at Standing Rock. You know how they, they covered Obama, and you know how Native Americans felt abandoned and still felt abandoned. And um, the, the fact that Biden is in office now and Trump is not, means nothing. But the promises that Biden made mean nothing. We have these glimpses of hope, but in the end, they, it, it doesn't pan out. Biden, Joe Biden doesn't care. All that matters to these people, all that matters to these Democrats that are in office is the money. It all revolves around the money for these elected officials. And despite the fact that these oil pipelines, um, gas pipelines uh, all over, including in Canada, go through sacred lands, go through uh, people's homes, uh, you know, in some cases, I know we're talking about a very specific uh, thing right now, but this happens all over the place. Uh, we reported a few years ago on property that had been, this wasn't native land, but property that had been in a, in a family for hundreds and hundreds of years. And through eminent domain, it was allowed to be seized by an oil, oil company. And so speaking specifically about native land, this is an, this adds an, another layer because it is sacred land. On top of it being their land, it is sacred land. And there's the added issue of, uh, remains and um the fact that joe biden who's supposed to be who according to liberals and um you know brunch democrats has the big this big old heart and he's just uncle joe and just such a nice man with such a such a caring guy good old uncle joe the fact that he doesn't think about these things or care about these things is so stomach turning and he doesn't, he truly doesn't. He cares about the money. He cares about the, the people who are going to put money in, in his pockets and in the pockets of lobbyists and in the pockets of the, uh, you know, the Democrats he's trying to help get elected and the, all of the lobbies surrounding that and all of the companies surrounding that. So, it's um, it's disgusting, and I I see uh, Paul asking like why isn't there more of an uproar? And I do I do wonder that sometimes. You know, Standing Rock was something special for many many reasons. One of the reasons was because it did get you know a lot of attention, and Jordan, you were a big part of that. It didn't get anywhere near as much attention as it should have gotten, but it did get at least the progressive folks from around the country 
and even from some other countries to come and to care and to pay attention. But a lot of these other fights don't get anywhere near that level of attention. And this continues to happen. And Joe Biden is allowed to slip under the radar, uh, allowing these, these oil companies, gas companies to desecrate these lands, and there are no consequences. I, I do think that, you know, when it comes to Obama, Standing Rock was an anomaly because of that, because it got so much attention and he still got away with it. It still didn't matter. You know, the, those dogs were still out there biting folks and the rubber bullets were still, you know, striking folks and, and Native Americans were still losing their eyes and um, you got hurt, Jordan. And, and um, just the way that that people were treated got some attention. But now what? Now what? Joe Biden's going to get away with it even more, probably. And everyone's back at brunch. So same thing, similar, um, similar grisly um, images that are going on there, as we saw in 2016. And I have an answer, Paul, on why this doesn't get attention. Frankly, because the resistance was a faux resistance, and it was made up by uh, suburban soccer moms, uh, wine moms, and you know Democratic Party operatives who cashed in. And it's mo it was mostly uh, heavily concentrated in New York, D.C., ur major urban cities with you know Elizabeth Warren-type uh, professional class voters, who frankly, you know, doesn't mean they're racist, but are very disconnected and don't quite give a shit about the plight of Native Americans. And, you know, to them, uh, they go to brunch. And, you know, if the climate's burning, so be it. Oh, if, if Native water's at risk, oh, you know, too bad. We'll, tw you know, maybe we'll tweet about it once in a while. That's, right. that's, that's what's going on here. It doesn't help that the corporate media ignores it. Um, you know, somebody asked in the chat, well, how does the federal government allowed to fly over their land. Don't they have, doesn't the tribe have jurisdiction? The tribe should have jurisdiction over its land, but unfortunately that's usually not the case, usually not the case on uh, these lands. And uh, most of these pipeline projects, some of the pipeline goes through federal land, which in reality is, the, is native land, but goes through federal land. So um, they get away with flying wherever the hell they want. And they did this at Standing Rock too, you had the Department of Homeland, uh, Homeland uh, Security, the FBI, U.S. Marshals were surveilling the camp, flying over the camp, sending in moles to the camp, uh, you know, moles that pretended to be water protectors, but were just looking for information to send back to the FBI and others. So mm -hmm. this is, you know, it's a long history. The FBI did this to Fred, ha Fred Hampton, the Black Panthers, um, you know, ML, you know, uh, civil rights leaders, uh, feminist movement leaders, LGBT movement. So this is not, you know, not their, not their first rodeo, but it's a disgrace. 